Welcome to On Topic Retro, episode 36. I'm John Cummins, and joining me tonight is Shannon Eno and Howdy. Sam Wagers. How are you guys? Doing good. I'm doing great. The uh, The reason why we're here tonight is to continue our Zelda Becoming the Hero series, and tonight's game is A Link to the Past. So we're officially three games into the series, uh, and this is probably thought of by most people it's for sure the best 2d game but some people still hold this in regards to uh maybe being the best zelda game ever (laughs) yup (laughs) that would be me i mean i think this was kind of the one that held the title until ocarina of time came out and then that held the title and seems like that kind of was thought of as the best for quite a while. Probably until Breath of the Wild, really. Yeah, that's fair. I, I That's where you see that a lot. And then now with Tears of the Kingdom, it's kind of just gone to that now. Breath of the Wild Plus. <laughs> that's right. That's what they could have called it. <laughs> plus more story. That's right. <sighs> but anyway... Just a little bit of housekeeping before we move into uh, all the other things. Uh, the Retro Rewind Champions, uh, let's see, I've, we just concluded voting and we picked as a community Blaster Master Enemy Below. And I put out a uh, page for the contest. It's basically just a completion contest because there's really not a whole lot of uh, things that I could find that could really make a contest out of it's it's a pretty straightforward uh jaunt like it's not a very uh there's no like collectibles that you know are hard to get or anything like that i think there i think there was some hidden items but i yeah, didn't really the, think that, does the game track map completion because i know some blaster master games do i didn't see if, there, if there's one that doesn't have... it'd be the game boy one so probably not yeah yeah but I tried, so th- this is kind of the best that I could do with short notice. The, and then if we have any, if we have multiple completions turned in, then I'll I'll do a roll of the dice or whatever. We'll we'll figure something out. But I don't think it's a very long game. I think it's like three or four hours, based on what I was reading. So hopefully we get some people turned them in. Uh, so there's, I guess really the only other thing is right now I'm doing a giveaway over on uh, Twitter for a Hylian Shield uh, statue. Uh, it's from uh, First Four Figures, and it's uh, the big, uh, what do they call it, the Collector's Edition one that has the backlights and everything to it. Like, it's, it's real nice. I have one myself. Um, I thought it would be a uh, kind of a fitting giveaway for the series. Uh, so you can you can go check out our uh, Twitter page or whatever and, and sign up for that giveaway. It's basically a uh, go review the podcasts and you get entered. So pretty basic, pretty easy. We appreciate any any reviews or anything. kind of helps us get a, a better following. And as I mentioned in our Discord, it also kind of helps get people to head towards our Discord and, and find the magic that we all found 
uh, in our Discord. So that's pretty much all I have for housekeeping. I think we can move in to talk about the game that we all came here to talk about. So who wants to go first with experiences? I'll let, I'll let Sam go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief then. Uh, this is the first Zelda game I ever played. Uh, anybody that's nice. paid close attention knows I started video games with the Super Nintendo um, because I am a 90s kid born in the 90s. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, this is the first Zelda I ever played. I don't think I got, like a lot of games uh, of that era, particularly because I'm the youngest of three brothers. Uh, I was very young, probably, when I played it. I can't even remember. I did not get far, I'm sure. I don't remember beating it till I was probably like 11 or 12. Um, but it's, it's always been my favorite um, 2D Zelda. Uh, I think I actually, I was stuck in Ocarina of Time for a long time as well. Uh, so I think I did actually complete this game before Ocarina of Time. Because it was a long time before I beat a Zelda game. Uh, between the first time I played a Zelda game and the first time I beat a Zelda game actually. Um, I still think it's a pinnacle of 2D Zelda. I still really love 2D Zelda. Uh, it doesn't really get any better than A Link to the Past. Agreed. I think really the only thing in my mind that could even be close is A Link Between Worlds was just basically A Link to the Past, but a different story. Uh, see, I, I don't know. A Link Between Worlds was like it wasn't bad, but like I don't think it's on the same level, to be honest. Yeah, I could <laughs> see it both ways. I really loved the link between worlds. Like I think it just kind of came out at the right time for me. Just the but, fact that it was a new two D Zelda, you know, when it came out, and and used the map of of Link to the Past. Um, I think automatically elevated it. I did like a lot of what they did with the, with the movement uh, going, uh, you know, flat basically, (laughs) which is kind of weird in a 3d game. Um, And if you know, if you played the game, you know, like you can basically turn into a uh, art, you could turn into art basically and and move along the walls and stuff. Um, And uh, so what they did with that and combining that with 3D space, they really did a nice job using the 3D. But we're not here to talk about that game. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Getting you rolling on a different game. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Shana, we'll, <laughs> you can you can share yours next, then I'll go last. All right. Um, so I will try not to, to go long on this. Um, but this is... This is my favorite game of all time. And... I know that no matter how good any game that comes out after, you know, currently in the future, whatever, um, this will always be my all-time favorite game. Um, And it's just, I don't, I can't even really say why Um, it, it just hit right for me when it came out. Um, And, and I was able to get it. I already had, um, had already had Zelda, that Zelda experience on Nintendo, on the original Nintendo. Um, and I talked about that in that episode. But um, 
when this game came out and, and kind of keeping tabs on it and, and Nintendo Power and then just getting to experience it and uh, bringing it home from the store um, and just holding my hands and, and just like on the way home, you know, pulling, opening up the box, pulling out, looking at the map, looking at the little hint book, but especially just just going through that instruction booklet and reading the story that was in there and then actually playing it and just feeling like it was the most beautiful game I had ever seen. Um, and, and it really is a game that graphically just continues to hold up. Um, it's, it's beautiful. And the, um, the sound effects and right from that moment when you turn it on and you are hearing the rain, right. And you're, you're going through the rain and then you're, you're going inside the castle and you can hear the rain outside. It just blew my mind, um, that games could, could do something like this. And the whole game is just full of that. Um, and it just became that exploration um, adventure game that just I just for years and years and years have just continued to explore and and to come back to and love. I still play this game uh, at least once a year. Um, and sometimes I just play it just as it is. Sometimes I attempt to do a randomizer of it. Um but I, in whatever form I, I try to do it or, or play through it, I just, I'm interested, I'm just instantly back to that time when I first played it. Um, and, and it's just something special that is just never let go. I can't, I just can't. And so, like I said, nothing will ever beat it because of the feelings I get um, and had first playing it and continue to have now. Nice. Yeah, I this this isn't my favorite Zelda game. I don't even know if I have a favorite Zelda game. Like, I don't think I could pinpoint a specific. I like different things about all of them. Um, but I remember this this uh, specific game. I didn't even own for a long time. My brother had this game. Uh, he's ten years older than me, and he had a Super Nintendo uh, at our house. And then kind of took off with it afterwards. But so I didn't really get to play a whole lot of this game very early on. And I guess really when it released, I wouldn't have been very old anyway. Maybe like, let's see, this came out in what, 90, 92, 91, 92? 90, yeah. Yeah. So I'd have been like six years old when this game came out. This definitely wasn't a game that I was going to be playing all the way through at six, probably. <laughs> uh, but I remember watching my brother playing it and, uh, Kind of, I've watched my brother play through the original Zelda. I watched my brother play through uh, Zelda Two, and like this, I remember watching him play this. And then I would get to play whenever uh, he was not playing it, which wasn't very often. But um, that was kind of my first experiences with it until I believe I got this game the uh, the GameCube disc that had the or no, that's no, it wasn't GameCube disc. Yeah, wasn't on there. No, it wasn't on that one. No. Where when did I play this? Maybe did it was Game Boy Advance. On, I was just gonna say was it was the GBA. 
would have been Game Boy Advance would probably have been the first time that I actually like really sat down and, and played all this. And uh, I remember just kind of being blown away because, uh, you know, they kind of got, you know, went away from 2D Zelda as far as like mainline games for quite a while. You know, we get some some different things on Game Boy that I didn't really stick to as well. Like I didn't play a whole lot of Seasons or Ages when they first came out. Like a lot of people, <laughs> they kind of came out late and uh, everyone kind of was abandoning the Game Boy Color for the Game Boy Advance. And then the Game Boy Advance wouldn't get its own Zelda game until pretty late. And uh, by then, I think I was already kind of moving on from things. So uh, it was it was definitely different, a different experience from what I was used to playing. Because, you know, my first main Zelda games that I remember the most were Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And Majora's Mask was like the one that really st- stuck with me. So I've played it the most. So... But there's still something special about this game, and like I said, the the ties to Link Between Worlds. Whenever that game came out, and like I just like immediately felt like I was playing a Link to the Past again. Like it felt really good to get back to that world and that format. And we're gonna talk plenty about the things that we love about the world and uh, all the stuff that that continues on through other 2D Zelda games. Um, but yeah, that's that was pretty much all. I had for experiences so uh, we can kind of move right into the game discussion This game released, as we already mentioned a little bit, uh, in Japan on November 21st, 91. So just like two days before my birthday. I wasn't in Japan, though. (laughs) Uh, North America would get it the following year in April uh, the 13th. And then if you were in Europe, you had to wait till September 24th of 92, which is pretty crazy. They had to wait a while. Of course, they were a bunch of uh, Sega Sega gamers over there, so maybe this didn't bother them as much. Uh, and then just uh, this thing's been re-released a billion times across virtual consoles, and uh, it's on the NSO app. But the one, the main remake, or not remake, but re-release that I remember is the Game Boy Advance one that also included Four Swords Adventures. Uh, did you guys play a whole lot of Four wasn't Swords just, Adventures? Wasn't Adventures the GameCube? I thought it was... Version? Or am I misremembering? Yeah, Four Swords okay. Adventures, no. I think, is the GameCube one. Yeah, what did they call the Game Boy Advance one? I think it was just called A Link to the Past Four Swords. That's what something it was. to that effect. So no Adventures, just Four Swords. I always get those two naming conventions mixed up. <laughs> But did you guys play the the Game Boy Advance version with the tie-in with the cuz you could play the use the Game Boy Advance as a controller on the GameCube version of the game. I had the cables, but no. I I only played the <laughs> Super Nintendo original. It seems like every time that we talk about one of these games, 
that was a tie-in for Game Boy Advance to GameCube. No one ever actually utilized the... Yeah, I, I used it to play Final <laughs> Fantasy Crystal Chronicles with my brothers like one time, and then I could never get them to play again. Yeah. Uh. And I didn't... I Given the time when everything came out and the time of my life, um, I did not... I had a game... I had uh, GBA, and then it broke, um, and I didn't have the... I didn't have a link cable anyway, and I didn't have anybody to play uh, Four Swords Adventures, uh, so I played it all single player um, anyway. Yeah, and unrelated, um, but I did also use the e-reader compatibility with Animal Crossing. So there you go. You know, <laughs> there not you to go. Just bring the e-reader into it. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember talking on the Prime episode. Um, nobody. Nobody there, or even the fusion episode. Nobody, nobody used the <laughs> connectivity, but there either to play the older games on there. Yeah, in fact, uh, I didn't. I did not actually have the the Game Boy re-release until fairly recently, like within the last year or so. I had borrow. I borrowed it and uh, from a friend and had played through it. Um, in the past, it, but but it wasn't until just like a year and a half that I actually had my own copy of it. Nice. I mean, it's definitely a good way to play it. It it definitely holds up. Mm-hmm. And the we'll we'll end up talking more about the four swords. Other uh, than there's not quite enough buttons. <laughs> in yeah, the, the, for the Game Boy Advance, it, it needed a couple yeah, more guess, buttons. Yeah, I do guess that was that my is. only thing. That was my only issue. Geez, that's kind of like going back to uh, play Link's Awakening on there where you have to constantly switch out an item <laughs> that you're using because you don't have enough mm. buttons. Right. Yep. Anyway, we're, we'll get more into uh, Four Swords whenever it's time to talk about that game. It'll, it'll get its own set of episodes. So uh, I guess we'll, we can talk a little bit more about the development. Uh, in 1990, or 1988, excuse me, not 98, uh, Nintendo started development for A Link to the Past, uh, which at that time would have been on the NES, uh, Famicom. Uh, but a year later, the uh, project was brought to the Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, because they had kind of pushed forward, uh, I'm pretty sure, most game development by that time. I, I, there was probably a few internal uh, loose ends, uh, I mean, we, we've noted several times where a Nintendo, an NES game came out after Super Nintendo, so I'm sure there are some examples. Uh, but at the time, most Super NES game cartridges had 4 megabit uh, storage space, and A Link to the Past would get a special cart with double the amount of space, which this would allow Nintendo to create a really large world uh, for Link to inhabit. And it also made it to where you can have kind of like two sides of the coin. You have a light world and a dark world. Uh, and they're pretty, I mean, they're statically the same, like, I guess, geographically the same, but with slight differences. But it's it's enough to make it feel like a totally different world, which is mm-hmm. pretty crazy for the time. Um, and... Well, kind of, as I said, they have an identical layout, uh, but they achieved this by using different texture tiles uh, for the Dark World. And I didn't know this, but apparently the Dark World exists as a ROM only, uh, as an overlay in the Light World. 
to save space, which kind of kind of showcases like early Nintendo magic of like them compressing video <laughs> Necessity games. Necessity is minuscule. the mother of invention, you know. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we marvel even today that like Switch games fit onto super small, you know, file sizes and and stuff. Especially when you compare them to like PlayStation games and Xbox, where <laughs> every single one's a hundred gig download now, and Nintendo's like, yeah, we can still fit this on like an <laughs> eight gig card, and you're gonna, you know, it's gonna be a massive game. Uh, but this is just kind of early showings of of their wizardry to be able to to fit more into less. So it's kind of a neat neat thing to think about. Uh, another note is that. Uh, Miyamoto originally intended the game to feature a party. So it was going to be more like a uh, RPG uh, intentionally, uh, which I think at the time you were, you know, lots of Super Nintendo RPGs had started becoming pretty popular. So I imagine, uh, I mean, even like Dragon Quest was starting to feature parties. Yeah. I would, I was by that point in time. I was going to say, because especially with it being originally starting development in the you know, late 80s. Uh, Dragon yep. Quest in Japan already would have, you know, been such a huge uh, yep. factor and and um, already going into that party system. Yep. So, yeah, Along the, with Final Fantasy. That, yeah, Final Fantasy is another big one. Um, but I guess his idea is that it would consist of a protagonist, which would be Link, uh, and then a magic user and a girl which is kind of an odd, <laughs> just a girl, just random girl. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else special about her. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. just, just a normal girl. Uh, and then the, the script was written by a series newcomer, uh, Kinsuke Ta- uh, Tanabe, who we've talked about plenty of times on the show, uh, for other works, uh, with the Nintendo. And then this is also that I, this might be the first time we see uh, Koizumi, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think this For... is the first time he was involved with the development of a Zelda now, game, I believe. Aonuma, who we know today is pretty much the guy running the Zelda series, was not involved in this, but his first directed game is one I've talked about before, Marvelous Another Treasure Island, which is a game heavily inspired by Link to the Past, built on the Link to the Past engine. It only released in Japan. It was just interesting you brought up you know, the, this party of three because that game has a party of three. So I wonder if that's yep. why. Um, well, yeah, it's it just might a, have split a very off and interesting its own game. Yeah, um, but he he was very. In, I mean, this is the game that basically made him decide. Oh, this is what I want to do. I want to work on games like this, Zelda. Yeah, uh, yeah. The interesting thing about Aonuma, he started his job when he started his job at Nintendo. He had literally never played a video game. Um, <laughs> and, and like, I guess he, uh, he, he like asked where to start. And I guess somebody showed him Dragon Quest, I, I think it was. And uh, he, he kind of went from there. But uh, this really had a place to start. Yeah. But know. Link to the Past definitely was a game that came out as he was getting his footing uh, at Nintendo. And it, it was a huge influence on him. And we can see that through the rest of the series. Uh, yeah. I don't think there is a game save for the original Legend of Zelda that's more influential on the future of the series than Link to the Past. 
Agreed. Uh, obviously, the first game is where it all started. But uh, even just that concept of a dark world is one that Zelda keeps going back to. You, know, you think about the depths. The depths is a dark world. Yep, the Twilight Realm in Twilight Princess is a dark world. Yeah. Uh, even even the idea of like a sky world is is really an extension of that. Like let's it's an let's alternative. layer it's different dual, worlds dual world. on top of yeah. each other. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You you do see that over and over again, and, and really you can even say even in Ocarina of Time after this that the adult timeline is really a dark version yep. of the child. It's let, let's take our main world and then make it a little different and see how yep. it is different. And, and that's yep. just displacing it in time instead of right. dimensions, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, a link to the past gives us a lot of, uh, just staple ideas, uh, staple storylines, all I mean, kinds just, of staples to the Zelda series. Like I remember we talked about this. the music. Uh, this this established yep. a lot of those theme. Other than, I mean, obviously, like the title theme, the fairy fountain and stuff was in the first game, but stuff like the Kakariko Village theme or the yep. Hyrule Castle theme, which still gets reused. Uh, Actually, updated. I believe this this was the first time we heard the um, fairy fountain. I don't it think is, it was yeah. in yeah in anything before this. Um, it, just also the idea of hey, go collect three of this item. Right, yep. get collect three items, structure. and then and then oh, all of a sudden, boom! World opens up. You're introduced to that second world, right? And then, all right, now you got to go get seven items or or whatever, you know, however many. And yep. and how many times has that replayed itself after this? I mean, over and over yeah. and over again in different different items, this but is, same idea. This is where we get that same Zelda structure that we had in, up until Breath of the Wild. So, I mean, this lasted what, uh, almost, almost thirty years. Yeah, like what twenty, you know, roughly twenty six years of the same <laughs> format of Zelda. And I mean, even even Breath of the Wild is still kind of like go get your um, go get your Sheikah Slate powers, and then you yeah. the world opens up. That's true. You leave the plateau. That is true. Yeah. And, and I guess they kind of do the same thing at the beginning of Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom is like identical structure to Breath of the Wild. You just slightly alter how, you know, they're organized, I guess. But, th- I mean, this game is basically the cornerstone for all the things that we would get in the future moving forward until Breath of the Wild, though. I mean, this this is the blueprint. Like, it lays everything down. There. There's loose story up until this point. Um, Zelda one is, you know, very basic. You get a little bit of the story. Zelda two tries to do more story, but it's, it's totally different than Zelda one. But, you know, once we get to a link to the past, it kind of sets the foundational things. Now they move pieces around, they change how we interact with those pieces in later stories. But this is basically like all the pieces are there at this point right here. So, uh, it's a very, it's a a pinnacle moment in the Zelda series for sure. Uh, and as to kind of get back to where I was, uh, uh, Koizumi here for the first time was responsible for the background story explained in the instruction manual. So he's kind of putting down the, 
the framework for the the story in the manual, which is massive. We were just talking about it before we started the episode. We're going to give the uh, uh, very shortened version that is also in the manual. Yeah, the, the actual, the entire backstory, which really gives the entire mythology of Hyrule. I mean, you get you get it in the game as well at the beginning of the game, uh, or at the in title screen, really, when you're first starting. But but also um, in the manual, it's like six pages of small printed. Oh, like yeah, it, I mean, it starts at the beginning of time, right? It starts with the creation of Hyrule. Um, and and goes through the first time we hear about an imprisoning war, <laughs> and and right. uh, and what has befallen way in the past, um, and then you know before it, thus the name linked to the past as well, um, but uh, but then yes it does give a nice little one pager <laughs> like here's what's actually happening right at this moment though <laughs> here's what you need That's to right. do this this is the cliff notes of the the adventure at hand <laughs> essentially <laughs> uh it, in my notes here uh kind of ties into what i was saying due to time constraints we're not reading the whole story but also due to time constraints certain features were cut from this game <laughs> <laughs> uh such as the ability to cause wildfires in grassy areas which would later be incorporated into the four swords adventure game yeah uh and I mean, it, I'm sure that it was also due to time constraints and, and having to move uh, development from one platform to another that, that we lost the the party, you know, feature. Like there was probably this was probably a totally different game whenever it was being developed for NES up front uh, than what it ended up being. Well, obviously, it didn't hurt it. <laughs> uh, no, probably no, it only didn't. helped it. <laughs> Agreed. Um, speaking of story, here's where I have placed the uh, insert from the manual of the shortened story. It says at the top, uh, your quest as the legendary hero. So this kind of outlines uh, what you're trying to accomplish in the game. Uh, it says the golden land of, of the Triforce has become a dark world corrupted by Ganon's evil wishes. However, this is not enough for Ganon. He also wants to make Hyrule, the light world, his own. To do this, he needs to break the seal of the seven wise men, uh, but he cannot do this with the, his power alone. He must also use the life force of the descendants of the seven wise men. Uh, how do you... with? Is it Aghanim? Aghanim is how I've always pronounced it. That's, yeah, yeah. Th- this is before there's good enough. They they say people's names in video games, so you just kind of have to go with what <laughs> you think it is. To be fair, Zelda only started doing that very recently. Th- this is <laughs> That's correct. <very> true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, with Aghanim the wizard as his pawn, uh, this is about to become a reality. Thus, the late night experiences in the castle are experiments in the castle tower. 
uh, you, as the legendary hero of Hyrule, must enter the Dark World on a quest to save the Maidens of Aghanim has sent there. The aim of the game is to solve many mysteries and adventures that await you along the way, rescuing the Maidens, defeat Ganon, and returning peace to Hyrule. So, this is a very panned down version of the story. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I mean, they don't, you don't really even talk about any of the first part of the game in this version of the story or this little small snippet. So if you want it, do you want to fill anything in Shannon about, I, I think uh, we're talking about, yeah, it. yeah. Just, um, you know, like I said in the instruction guide and even at the very beginning of the game, if you kind of let the title screen play and stuff, you kind of get, uh, the, the beginning of, of time, they're talking about how the goddesses, um, create Hyrule and everything, but, but really, um, what, what's really the most interesting, I think, is, is the talk about how, um, that, uh, the, these wise men have in the past, in the distant past, have sealed Ganon, uh, away inside the sacred realm. And then as, and that's known as the imprisoning war, or I believe the is it the first imprisoning war? Something like that. Anyway, um, and then uh, people still kind of know, though, that, hey, if you can make it to the sacred land, you could touch the Triforce, uh, your wishes will come true. But the problem is, is that Ganon has already touched the Triforce and has transformed the sacred realm into the dark world. It's become warped to his, his uh, desires. Um, he just can't break out. And so, um, but people are getting in and disappearing and never seen from again. So the King basically, uh, says, all right, we got to reseal it. Um, but people are still trying to, to break in. And that's where the, um, the wizard, uh, which is Ganon's (laughs) pawn, of course, he, uh, he starts, um, his plot, which is to, to then um, kidnap the maidens, which are the descendants of the the original wise men, um, and use their power to to break the barrier and um, and release uh, himself back into high rule. Um, so that's that's really a lot, a little bit longer version of of what's going on here in the story. Um, it just it really this is where this is where the story the lore uh, really starts coming for from Zelda. Before this, there was very little to go on. Of course, we talked about that in the previous episodes. Uh, this is where you really start building a mythology, though. I feel like, um, and incidentally, this is uh, as far as the semi uh, canonical timeline, <laughs> quasi timeline, yeah. Um, this is the first game in the hero, uh, was hero lost, uh, basically timeline. Heroes so defeated. Yes. So the first two games that we talked about, the original Zelda, Zelda two take place at the end of that particular branch of timeline. Um, and, and, uh, this, this is the first one in the, in that same timeline. So this takes place before, 
the original Legend of Zelda, but um, after Ocarina of Time. <laughs> so, um, if you want to go that way. So, basically, in Ocarina of Time, you get all the way to uh, Ganon, and you lose. <laughs> Ganon's successful. Uh, but then um, the the um, wise men of that, of that game, of sages, I should say, the sages of Ocarina of Time, along with Zelda, seal away Ganon. That's kind of a little bit of a retcon. <laughs> but uh, are the ones who sealed away him in that first imprisoning war. So it sounds like to me we need uh, we need to get Loki and the agents of the TVA over to create a new sacred timeline. Yeah, there's too many branches going there's on. Too right many now. branches. <laughs> <laughs> it's overloading. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of the, the the Zelda timeline is definitely a mess. There's all kinds of stuff going on, um, and it's it's kind of weird to to think of the, of Ocarina of Time as a, a splitting point uh, that drives so many different things. I don't think it was ever really intended to be that way, but that's how they fit it together. Yep. <laughs> so it works. Um, but we always mention the timeline. It's it, kind of fun. Nintendo officially put out a timeline. It's the only thing we can really go off of. And then immediately forgot about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, yeah, every game created afterwards, it's like, uh, we don't care about the timeline. (laughs) Like, I don't even even want to try to think about how you would even fit uh, Tears of the Kingdom into any part of that timeline. Right. (laughs) I guess it would be at the beginning and the end of all of it. (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Uh, cyclical. (laughs) Yes. I'll just say that. All right, so with story knocked out, we can kind of get into the meat potatoes of this episode. There's lots to say about the gameplay. Uh, I've just got some some quick things that like were my first thoughts uh, of how this game is is back to kind of an overhead view. It's not on a. I mean, there's definitely there's there's too much graphically different from the original Legend of Zelda in this game to really put them in a pairing, but uh, it does kind of get back to the same format. It ditches the. Uh, the really small map with side scrolling uh, that appeared in Zelda two and gets back to just kind of a seamless world of, of overhead panels, I guess, for lack of better way to put it. Um, But one improvement is you can move diagonally in this game, which is something you could not do in the original (laughs) legend of Zelda. (laughs) It makes a big difference. Uh, It does. Yes. Uh, I mean, even just, in the ability to like the, how your sword works is just way different. So it's, it's definitely a major improvement in the series uh, over that first game for sure. 
Yeah, I always loved um, fighting. And I've, I've noticed other people, I don't know if they just don't like doing this or they're not aware you can, um, but you can hold your sword, like when you're charging your spin attack, and actually just run into people with it. And I always thought that was so cool, just fighting like the basic like green and blue knights at the beginning of the game, yeah. and just your swords actually collide with each other, and like yeah. you can kind of parry. Like it's super basic, but I mean it, it's an actual feeling of sword fighting. Yes, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like ease, like the original games mm-hmm. where you just run into people to attack. <laughs> yeah, only it's not just <laughs> it's running into always- them. They always parry, though. But actually, well, the thing is, I, I've been playing East 2, and, and um, there is actually a trick to that game where you want to offset. You won't take damage if you, like, don't hit straight on, but slightly off-center. And that's actually how things work in Link to the Past, too. It's just it actually makes sense yeah. in Link to the Past, because that's where the sword is. And right. that way, your sword goes past theirs, their sword goes past you, but doesn't hit you. This is very true. And, and like one of the first things um, that I noticed coming back to Link to the Past after playing Link Between Worlds is like your sword reach is very limited in this game <laughs> compared to uh, Link Between Worlds. So like you definitely don't like you're not going to uh, I felt the difference immediately, like trying to attack enemies, you don't have near as much reach, which makes the game a little bit more difficult. Uh, but it's, it's something I, you know, never would have thought of if I would have only played a link to the past, but after playing the other one and going back is something I immediately noticed. Uh, not, not that this game is extremely difficult. You know, it, it definitely is a, uh, to me, it's an exploration game first combat mm-hmm. second uh type game but uh definitely noticeable well it is i guess i'm just gonna hop we're gonna go right to the items and talk about some of these things i thought it would be a uh kind of a fun thing to look through all the the different items that you can get um, absolutely this is kind of like the first time where you can get different types of swords really i guess well no yeah. i mean the first game had well had, yeah that, had i guess sword, different swords as well that is true the magic sword the i mean there was the original the wooden sword or i don't know if they call it wooden sword but um but you do get upgraded the original sword yeah yeah so i guess really that's something that just didn't happen in zelda 2 so this is kind of the again i feel like they're how many times can we reinvent Zelda one over and over right. again through these, through these times? I think this is the first oh. time though, where it's truly special because this is the first time we get the actual master sword and this it's is playing correct. a role. Um, you know, it has a history already, right? Like we, even though it's the first time we've gotten it in a game at, you know, in, in the order that the games were released, it, you can already tell within the game, it already has a history. Um, and, and it's, it's really, I mean, pulling it out of it, out of the stone, basically. I mean, you're, you're literally living an Arthurian legend, right? 
you once yep. you you go into the lost woods and you pull that sword out and that is something that has kind of been replicated in later games too which um you know i think um you know hasn't been done quite to the level of this game in my opinion uh until until probably breath of the wild or even because they had to move it back to the lost woods it's not the same getting it in the temple of time right yeah you know i mean not that those weren't special in their own ways but really just that that specialness of it and and you 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 know the music is flaring up and the um medallions that you've just gotten um are kind of floating around and then you you pull it out and you hold it above your head and that music is just it's just, it's a perfect moment, right? It's true. I mean, they, they try to, for for lack of better terms, they try to one-up that scene every time that they make a new game, but it, it definitely feels like it's made to be in the Lost Woods mm-hmm. and not like, like you said, not in the Temple of Time where it seems to be found in most other Zelda games after this, you know, ever since Ocarina of Time. Kind of to me, it kind of takes away from the uh, like chosenness of of that item. Like you have to know where it's located. You have to find it. You know, it's not just in plain sight. Well, I, I mean, it just that's a setting that immediately conveys like this thing has been left alone for a long yes. time. Like there's yes. just yep. stuff growing all over it. Yeah, like, it's been untouched yep. for generations. Yep. Yeah, and then you can just pull it out. Well, as long as you are the hero who has collected the the pendants, the pendants, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. um, and it's it's interesting too, right? And and so in that original Zelda game, you kind of get the feeling that those extra swords you're getting are actually different swords, and in various other Zelda games, you you might you know I think of like Minish Cap and stuff where you're not necessarily having the exact same sword the whole time. So you don't start with the master sword or whatever. And you don't hear either, right? You start with the fighter sword, your uncle's sword. And then um, you, you get the master sword, but the upgrades to the master sword are all done to the master sword. Um, So, you know, the first time it's the, it's the uh, dwarfs that are, that are basically, you know, put it on their forge and, and uh, yeah, upgrade it. Yep, temper it. And then the the last one, uh, you know, it's basically blessed by the fairy uh, to get the to get the highest level. Um, and and I feel like that has also kind of been done in later games, right? I mean, um, in Skyward Sword, you're 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 basically creating the master sword, but you're upgrading that sword, right, with the magic. And and then in I don't want to give any way any spoilers into uh, Tears of the Kingdom because um, I know there's people still playing through it, uh, but um, really there's the whole there's a whole story beat about really upgrading that sword and, yep. and creating like that's its ultimate power, right? There's, I mean, there's also multiple shields in this game. Um, this is, I mean, you get the different, uh, start to get the different males here, uh, different colors, uh, that would kind of carry on through uh, the rest of the games, the Pegasus boots, which are kind of like something that are more unique to this, like 
you, you don't really get Pegasus boots in the 3D games as as an item. Imagine if you did, though. Make it go so much faster. <laughs> run so much faster. Run across I guess they just got replaced with Epona. Is the real yeah? Epona kind of broke the Pegasus boots. You don't you don't yeah. need them anymore. You get the bunny hood and the George's mask. So true, yeah. And then you get some other things that are like uh, help you uh, with obstacles that are in the overworld. Uh, the gloves they help you lift things. Uh, the flippers allow you to swim. Uh, what is the moon pearl? The moon pearl allows you not to be transformed yep, uh, in the, it's the dark the world rabbit. into the rabbit. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, there, there are a lot of items I think that just serve as kind of progress gates, to be honest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than ones that get reused in unique ways. But I will say, I always kind of liked how there were some items in here that you don't need that are just kind of fun. Like, I always get the ice rod. You never need the ice rod. No, actually, you do. You do need the ice rod because it's the only way to defeat the uh, boss of um, Turtle Rock. He's got two heads, and you have to, yep, he has two heads. He has a fire head and an ice head, and you have to have the opposite rod to to uh beat him but that is the only time it's it's technically needed in the you can game. get it way earlier though right you can get it at the very beginning of the game pretty much as soon as you're set <clears> out <throat> after your initial uh track i guess i always assumed you could just shoot arrows at him nope i, I think i always to, do yeah. use the ice rod because i always have it right yeah you have to use the ice rod it's it's the only it's the only way unless there's a glitch uh that i'm unaware of but uh it, as far as I know, well, um, I mean, if you're talking if you're talking glitches, you can glitch through the wall and get the Triforce in five minutes. But right, right, right. Yeah, but um, but in a in a regular game, it is that is its only must use. Is uh, the the other fun thing you can do with the ice rod is freeze enemies with it, and if you hit them with a hammer after you've frozen them, you will get a magic refill. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of the the hammer is you know kind of a gate <laughs> like it literally allows you to get through places in the the maps it is it's also the, your strongest weapon for a little while technically it's got yeah. a shorter reach but it it's about uh, as powerful as the uh tempered sword so you get it before you get a tempered sword so yeah it's true it's technically a stronger weapon you don't use the shovel <laughs> <laughs> Is is there what else do you use the shovel for other than the you the dig up game? Well, you dig you, up. You gotta the, dig up the flute. Dig up the flute. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, and that is so, needed to access one dungeon, right? To fly you to a yeah, specific yeah. location. Yes. Otherwise, you can't get into uh, the um, swamp. Yep. The mire. Um, and then the the book of Medora, which allows you to read the language. Tech- yep. And do you technically and need gets that? You into, yes, because it gets you into the, the oh, desert yeah, dungeon. Because yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of them you can read, but I don't think you have to. Right. No. I, yeah, you can read and get the medallions. Right. Uh, but yeah, you have to. Oh, yeah, you have to, to open up. You do have to also use them. Yeah, to to. Um, 
to read those those tablets because that's how you get uh, your magic medallions yep. as well. Um, the only items that I think you don't technically need are Cane of Burna, which gives like a it basically surrounds you with magic and makes you invincible. Um, because the, there is a spot where you do need to get through some stuff, but, um, you also have magic cape, I think can get you through that. Um, but Kena mm-hmm. Burna, um, yeah, I think, I think you could use it basically to get a heart piece, but you don't need all the heart pieces. So, um, and, and obviously you don't need magical boomerang. Um, although that's, that is helpful. It's nice. Yep. Um, and I think, don't think unless I'm unless I'm misremembering, I don't think you have to have the magic powder either. It gets you up it upgrades your magic so you get half magic. Yep. yep. Um but I don't it and is it, fun and though. It, it's fun, it's a fun thing to use. Um yep. I guess technically you don't uh have to have any bottles either. But those are very useful. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, get... I said you don't reuse stuff. I was thinking more like within dungeons, but the game does bring stuff. I mean, think about the fight with Ganon. The humble lantern is, uh, yeah, the, is the key. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could use the fire rod, but it takes up a lot more magic, and yeah. uh, you're going to want to conserve. <laughs> um, yeah. So you you do need... You do need most of those things, but, I mean, you end up using some of the items quite a bit, like bow... Uh, hookshot, um, you know, uh, cane of Samaria. Those are all things that you end up using once you get them. Pretty uh, magic hammer um, that you end up using a lot, uh, even as you go through the rest of the game. Yeah, as soon as you get the magic hammer, you run into obstacles you have to smash to go through. Yep. Right. Um, magic mirror, which allows you to travel. Uh, back to the light world from the dark world also allows you to solve environmental puzzles um it's the only way to get into uh the um uh what's it called the the level that's on the the opposite of the dam um i can't think of the name of the of the uh i can't think of it either (laughs) but it's the only it's the only way to get into um Ah, what is it called? Swamp Palace. Swamp Palace. That's what I was looking for. Which I think I called Miss Miss Misery Meyer uh, Swamp earlier, but anyway, could be the same thing, different lore. Yes. Um, I don't also think you technically need the bug catching net, although uh, you can use it to. It's very useful. <laughs> it's useful to catch fairies in and put them in bottles, right? But it, but it can be used to uh, send projectiles back against the wizard um, when you mm-hmm. fight against him instead of your sword. Although sword is easier, uh, you can you can use bug catching net for some swag, I guess. Speaking of the fairies, you can in bottling. You, did you ever use the bees all that much? Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't say I'd set out to. You're fun for messing around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a cool idea. I don't know really who would have thought like, 
let's add a beat of the game that you can capture and release to you know, do your bidding later. The only problem is if you release a regular bee, then it can sting you (laughs) as well. Yeah. But there is a magical bee that you can get, um, that, uh, that won't attack you and and swarms the enemies all over the screen. But, uh, yeah. Um, and then there's the three different types of magic, which you get in the form of medallions. Um, and, and those, um, are used to uh, do some environmental puzzles. Yep. Um, I think ether is the only one that's technically uh, not uh, not required to open up a dungeon or anything. So, um, and that freezes enemies on screen, uh, yep. frozen as if they were hit by the ice rod. But it doesn't actually get you into any of the dungeons or anything. And then, of course, you have your standard dungeon items, maps, compass, keys. This is the and first then, time you get big keys in, in the Zelda yeah. games. Yep. Your your boss key or your big chest key. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's there's definitely some, some cool things. And, I mean, like, this is the first time we see the hook shot, you know. Yeah. And how how much use you get out of that in later games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even to the point where you get dual at one point. <laughs> yep. Link becomes Spider-Man. That's right. Uh, I'm trying to think, I think everything else is pretty, uh, like what the magic cape allows you to be, uh, invisible, invisible. And you can actually go through items and it's the only way. Yeah. To progress at one point because you got to go through a bumper that would just bump you back otherwise but you can walk through it yep it also allows you to travel over spikes without taking damage as yep. well it allows you to get a heart piece that i remember yep okay let's see what else do we got on the list next would be enemies some of our favorite enemies or least favorite enemies Yeah, the uh, some of these some of these things. I mean, I, I guess maybe we call them differently than uh, some of the other games, but like they seem very similar to other Zelda enemies in previous games. Mm-hmm. Like some of the soldiers look a lot like uh, uh, what were they called? Dark Even nuts. Yeah, dark nuts and stuff. Yeah, but I, I think dark nuts are usually more of a like almost a mini boss, whereas these guys were like the standard grunts. Well, yeah, that's because that's these guys were actually uh, not bad guys, right? They yeah, they become bad guys because they think that you kidnapped Zelda at the beginning of the game, and instead yeah. of Zelda coming out of hiding long enough to tell her knights, "Hey, you didn't kidnap me." Uh, they're just after you. <laughs> and uh, and then I believe they're kind of put under a spell, I think they say as well. So, yep. um, But they're just regular Hyrule knights, um, you know, and soldiers, really. Um, so, and the Dark Nuts are, you know, because in, in, uh, in the original Zelda, and even in Zelda 2, they're in the dungeons, right? Um, and they're, yep. they're more evil 
they're evil knights, right? Instead yeah, of like just henchmen, instead yeah, of yeah, so controlled knights. But you get the return of the keys, um, the bats. You know, they're pretty safe. Yep. Um, you know, you see them and everything. You get the skeletons, um, which are in every single Zelda game. Um, I did always get, think they were cool in Link to the Past. How they jumped away from you. That, yeah. that wasn't in. That wasn't in the first game, right? No. The, uh-uh. the Stolfos that jump away whenever you swing your sword. It's just right. a very cool, and it's introduced early enough. But like, you got to either like Zelda. force them to a corner or use a different weapon. Otherwise, they'll just keep avoiding you. Right. I think they were in Zelda too, though. Right, where they jump away. I, I guess technically all the enemies can. Well, not all of the enemies in Zelda too, but I, I think they're just kind of jumping around. I don't think that they're really necessarily. Well, they jump, though, is what I'm but saying. it, it yeah. wasn't the same where it was a. It was actually a response to your attack. Response. Though. Yeah, that is true. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, and you got you got your pose. You got your um, you got your Octorox still. Um, Incidentally, this is where we get <clears throat> Henixes and all kinds of yeah, stuff yeah. Give them bombs again. They need to have bombs again. Yeah, right. Um, you got your Lionels in this game still. Um, you know that kind of continued and in, into what we see. But yeah, I mean, this is the first first real Hynox. You, you know um, what I always liked was those um, those rooms in dungeons where the tiles would fly at you. I always just thought those yes. were super cool. Yeah. Flying tiles, what that enemy's called. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, uh. You also still have... Zoras are still enemies at this point in yep. time. And for... Well, until... They do give you flippers. But the... I was going to say, but the one does give you flippers. they keep attacking you after. So... And and again, I think that it's it's kind of funny because specifically the enemies are called River Zoras, um, and yep. so I'm telling you, they're just the bad news cousins of the Zoras that we've all not the, come to yeah, know the, the Lake, lake Zoras. They live right. in Zoras' domain. That's right. Yeah, the lake ones are good. The lake ones are good. River ones are are bad. That's <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we get like likes here. You get Lionels, mm-hmm. Moblins. Yep. Tektites. Um, I, I will say I some of them that I really do not care for. Um, I hate the stupid vultures. Not that they're necessarily difficult per se, but the bone in cuckoos. The, oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> the bone cuckoos, yeah. <laughs> Those are. Oh, you're talking about the. the crows. I'm talking about the actual. Well, crows in the, oh, the light vulture. world, but the vultures that just like hit you for like a ton of health damage, um, and pursue you in the desert, um, or or um, the swamps too, or is it just the desert? I think it might be the desert. No, it is the desert. Yeah, yeah. they're on like the. Uh... Yeah, because they're in the light world side. There's a dark world version as well, I feel like. I think the dark... Isn't the dark world the swamp? It is. Yeah, the dark world version of the the desert is the... It's not really swamp. They call it a mire because there's already a swamp dungeon. Mm -hmm. Misery mire. It's just 
the opposite it's it's like a dark it's like the opposite of the desert is just like this miserable swampy rainy <laughs> awful the opposite of a desert yep um some of the the enemies that kind of bounce you back in the uh some of the dark world dungeons as well or maybe it's even in the light world uh uh dungeon sorry the the hard hat beetles um will bounce you and hit you off into into uh holes and oh, stuff yeah. like that like the ones in the the tower with moldorm just, yes. just getting you ready for getting knocked down several floors <laughs> that's that's right oh gosh yes <laughs> fall down all the time yep um even even the rats like right from the beginning like of the game uh the the rats sometimes would just like move in oh, an unexpected way yeah exactly and the snakes and um i mean it's just yeah there's just so much uh what, what are they going to bring the the ropes back to Zelda? Right. Yeah, the snakes, the ropes. Uh, I think they're called here, aren't they? But well, um, speaking of Moldorm, he's been in a lot of two D Zelda games. He's never appeared in a three D Zelda, right? I don't know how you could that fight wouldn't work in a three D. I'm just saying he he needs his due. Right. I'm trying to think. I. I Unless yeah, he looked I mean, completely you, different. Um, yeah, because I mean, he's done... Basically, a version of him is done in, in quite a lot of the 2D ones after this point. Cause you I get called it this in, guy, like, when I was a kid, the hamburger and, boss. I mean, the hamburger boss? He looked like a hamburger. I just <laughs> called him the caterpillar. <laughs> the head. Right? Um, I mean, he could well, be... Well, there's even like be, versions of him where he has like green spikes on the outside, so it looked like lettuce. I mean that's yeah that actually considering it's a it's a um beginning of the towards the beginning of the game boss like it could be frustrating as all heck because you keep getting knocked off this platform yeah, when he, when he's at max speed start. yep you kind of are just hoping to get lucky right yep um and then you got to fight him again and uh at the end of the game going up the climb to Ganon's tower um but yeah, it, it's uh, he can be kind of an obnoxious, obnoxious fight. I guess we've kind of started talking about uh, the bosses here. So yeah, that's fine. We can move to bosses. I think we've hit our our enemies that we want to talk about. Uh, so I think um, the the Helmosaur King is one of the was is one of the bosses that I think is so cool because um, there's different ways to actually beat it. So I'm curious how you guys actually beat him. If you can remember the first time you beat him, did you use what item did you use to break his mask? Because you have to bombs. the hammer. See, there you go. I had well, I no mean, idea. Yeah, yeah. Zelda games have conditioned me to okay. How am I going to beat this boss? What item did I get in this dungeon? Right. That, but that I was like, work. I was like John. I growing up and playing this game. In those early days, I had I never thought about using the hammer. I used bombs. I don't know why I used bombs. Hmm. I don't know if I saw it in Nintendo Power or what, but it wasn't well, until later you that just automatically put together bombs that are like right. made for destroying things. Right. 
and breaking holes and stuff. And uh, it wasn't until later on that somebody actually is like, hey, you know, you can actually use the hammer, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I had no idea. It makes sense, right? You get the hammer in that dungeon. You always use that. But but at the time also, Sam, to be fair, um, we weren't as conditioned. We didn't have as many Zelda games. <laughs> where that's true. That was, and that that's not true thing. of every one of these bosses, right? I mean, like... Right. I think one of these is in in a dungeon where the only treasure you get is like the blue mail. So, which one is that? Uh, I'm referring to isn't that what the ice palace where you get that? Uh, that's what I was thinking. The yeah. ice palace you you be cold stair. You do or or um, are, are there cold stair? Yeah, because you have to hit them with you have to hit them with either uh, the fire magic or your fire rod to to start the fight. Um, but you, okay, now I'm trying to remember because I feel like you, you do get something else in that dungeon. I could, I'm sure you do. Why can't I think of what it is though now? I think you need the fire rod to enter the dungeon. So right, you do. The dungeon's kind of made for the fire rod, but you, you need it to get in. So fire rod, or you can use the medallion, but that uses a lot more of your magic meter. Yeah. Um, but now I'm now I'm struggling to to feel like what you get in that what you get in that um, dungeon. So I, I I thought for sure there was more than. But as I'm looking through stuff, you need Cain of Samaria, but to to get through that dungeon. Um. Yeah, huh. I can't think of it now, though. I just remembered ping gators exist. Why are these not in every Zelda game? <laughs> They're penguin gators. Pen gators. Yeah. Pen gators. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, why wouldn't they? <laughs> Yep. Um, and pen gators uh, are they—they they skate around on the ice. They're like giant green penguins, basically, and they just—they're yeah. only in the—they're only in the ice palace. And yeah, they kind of slide around just... on it. Um, they're—they're they're good ones. Good hook shot will take care of them. Um, hit with a hook shot, but yeah. Um. And then the the terrapin is basically like a red shell from Mario. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um and you got whiz robes here. Yep. Um I think that uh another really interesting boss battle is actually blind. Um, he's the, he's a thief and, and you basically, you go through the dungeon and you find Mm -hmm. and, and unlock, uh, what appears to be the maiden, um, that was kidnapped. And you find out though, you, once she's exposed to sunlight, she turns into the, uh, the boss, right? It was just, obviously it was a, it was a trap, um, yeah. And she's actually the boss in disguise. 
um, which is kind of a, a cool and different kind of take on, on the Zelda bosses. Um, uh, Trinex is the, is the boss I was talking about that you have to have the ice rod because it's the only way to, to defeat his, his firehead. Um, is to use that. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, some of the more, the other ones that are kind of, uh, an interesting kind of take on, on boss battles. I just uh, think this version of Ganon is like the best Ganon boss fight. I think stop. so too. Oh yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I mean, and this I... version of Ganon is way better than the Breath of the Wild version of Ganon. Yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, <laughs> that's like, that's very I fair. always I wanted say... this Ganon in Smash Bros. Actually, I was kind of hoping with when, the trident and stuff. When Ganondorf, as we knew him, became outdated and they updated the series, that they would just go to. Because they put in Link to the Past Zelda. So, that right. was sort of right. <laughs> I wanted Link to the Past Ganon. Yeah. Like, as just a yeah. huge character with, like, tremendous reach with the trident and shooting the fireplace. That fire would be awesome. Yeah. And... Yep. That would be really cool. The ability to go invisible. <laughs> unless yep, unless yep. somebody does something to light up the room and light up the torches. Um yeah, that boss fight is is actually really cool like the uh I mean where <laughs> if if you don't light the lanterns at all, like you can't see anything. Like it's it and like it's it's one of the another one of those boss fights where like the the floor is starting to like go away from you. Mm-hmm. And like the whole thing just is very intimidating the first time you you do it and you're figuring the stuff out. I watched somebody recently run this, like do a, a run and, and didn't get touched, like just yeah. annihilated him. <laughs> That's a crazy. It's it's not easy. Um, couple other enemies I think are, are kind of cool to point out. We do get chain chumps, and in. Uh, yeah. In in the last um, the last main dungeon, um, in in uh, Turtle Rock, um, you, you, so there's chain chomps and they will hurt you. <laughs> they will really really hurt you <laughs> if you get hit by them. Um, and uh, there's actually uh, enemies that were originally supposed to be in the game, um, but were removed before the game came out, but apparently the assets are still in the code. Um, there are knights that fire cannons, actually. Hmm. Just oh, kind nice. of a nice little thing. And I know that so in the randomizer community, you you can if you play a randomizer version of the game, you can actually add them back in. That's so pretty cool. Yeah. The uh the ball and chain soldiers are always really rough too. Like they stand out, especially the one in the first dungeon. He's basically the boss. Hey, he's a mini boss. Yeah, he's a mini boss yeah. of of that. Before you can uh, free Zelda, until you figure out how to beat him, and then well, you could take the pots, and that helps. But yeah, um, yeah. Which is, is the first game uh, with breakable pots too, uh, Zelda. Uh, franchise staple. 
telling you, this is where it all like kind of gets its forming and its footing, like the whole series. Yeah. Yep. Let's see, where do we want to go from here? Back to the notes. I think we've kind of hit, uh, I mean, is there anything, we talked a little bit about the dungeons. Was there any thing specific that uh, we wanted to go back to for that? Um, I like the fact that this is the first time we get multi-floor. I mean, you get that, I guess you could say, in Zelda 2, because you've got an elevator going to different floors. Because it's side-scrolling. <laughs> right, because it's side-scrolling. Out of necessity, they need to do that. But this is the first time where you really kind of get the feeling that you're on different floors, and the floors, different floors are actually interconnected, right? So that if you... There's certain spots where you want to be where you want to be able to drop down from above um, to access yep. different treasure chests or, or whatever. Um, so this is the first time you really get that. Um, the The dungeons all feel very unique. Uh, even in, like in in Zelda One and Zelda Two, the dungeons within the game are really just the, the only way they really feel different are the colors. <laughs> um, yep. You know, you might have to do different things to become more complex, but they really don't feel very different in, in this game, all the dungeons feel unique, you know, whether you're in the desert, whether you're in ice, whether you're turtle rock with the lava, um, every, every dungeon feels um, like it was, made for that area that it's in um the the swamp yeah. you're you are running in you know puddles of water and stuff um you know and, and you see that animation and stuff it, it's just such a cool touch i always thought it was interesting how some of them actually um separate out to like you'll actually exit the du- as part of the dungeon you exit right. the dungeon and then go back in in a different spot uh, yeah, like the yeah. Desert Palace does that. Um, Turtle Rock. Skull Woods is mostly like Skull technically yeah. overworld. Yeah. Which which this is something that would happen later too. Like uh, Link's Awakening uses this a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Because I feel like it's really ultimately done in the Skull Woods dungeon. Because like you said... You, the the whole dungeon is not interconnected. Like you can't travel everywhere within the dungeon. You have to come out and drop down and find different holes to fall into. Um, and then and then the boss of it is in a whole other area that you have to access once you get the fire rod. I mean, it's just it's kind of the same way as Death Mountain, like where you're going in and out of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. What is next? Is there anything uh, that we want to touch on that's that's left to the gameplay, or do we want to move on to music?
Um, I think I, I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Okay. So this this is a, a section that you added in, Shannon, because I'm not very like. Uh, every time I'm making these notes, it seems like I'm always forgetting about the music. <laughs> well, we did uh, vote this integral part best of this soundtrack show. game of the year thirty last year. We did. That's right. <laughs> Um, Although, for the record, I voted for Streets of Rage. <laughs> I think you voted but for Streets of Rage. We weren't going to let Dan ha- give it to like a Sonic game or whatever. So, you know. <laughs> I think he tried. Yeah. So I think the the music, uh, Sam said it earlier, we got so many staples uh, that would come that still you still hear in, in modern Zelda games have their roots here. And, um, it's, it's just, it, it, they, the music is just, um, was done by Koji Kondo. I should probably say that, um, who is a well-known, <laughs> well-known composer at this point. Um, but, uh, what, what is even more impressive to me is the sound design. I mean, it kind of touched on it earlier, but right at the beginning of the game, you you hear rain like you are you're outside and the rain is pouring down and then you go inside the palace and the castle and you can hear the rain hitting outside and it's muffled and um that just blew me away because nothing that i had ever played had even remotely done something like that before um the every time you enter a different uh kind of space in, within the world you just get the just get the right sound um when you're walking in water in the swamp dungeon not swimming but actually walking in the water or as you're trying to go through the zora domain um you hear link walking through that water walking through those puddles walking through you know maybe, you know, a foot of water or whatever. Um, when you're in uh, the, when you're in the lost woods, everything kind of becomes more of this hushed sounds um, because you're within the forest. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible what they were able to do. Um, and, and I really think it's some of the best, um, some of the best sound design that we've, that we had on the super Nintendo. Um, Even just the sound of arrows hitting something is yeah. super satisfying. Oh, yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not a single oh, uh, sound oh. that I think is, you know, misses the mark. No, I mean, everything is spot on. It sounds exactly like what you're expecting whenever the action happens. Uh, but I was just going to say like Koji Kondo still like, like he did music for Mario Wonder. Like, yeah, this guy's uh, just everlasting. You know, it's kind of well, crazy. And I mentioned how so much of this uh, soundtrack carried forward in the series too. But I think it's interesting that some of it stayed kind of unused for a while, and then fit like a glove when they drew from that well again. Like the Hyrule mm-hmm. Castle theme was not something they used again for a while. And then here comes, you know, Breath of the Wild, and suddenly it's like the leitmotif for the King of Hyrule, and it fits perfectly. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Very true. Yeah, I think there's something about it where, like, every bit of it complements itself and can be used in other games uh, with slight changes, and, like, it all just fits. Like, this is definitely, like, the crown of music for this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's truly amazing, like, with the soundtrack all put together and, and listening to it you know, pieces at a time, even, uh, this, this is definitely a soundtrack. Like, even if I'm just, if I'm at work and I need something to put on the background, it's a good soundtrack for that even. Yeah. Uh, you, you also added in here (laughs) the, uh, graphical, uh, prowess of this game, uh, for super Nintendo. Like there's so many different effects. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember if I mentioned this before the show or like right or pretty close to the beginning there, but there's like some, it's, it's probably not mode seven yet, but like those type of effects that are in this game where like pieces of the Triforce are, are, are floating and, and rotating, you know, at the end of the game and just some different things that, uh, the stand out whenever you, you're thinking about th- uh, the graphics on this game. Yeah, yeah. just that intro screen with the Triforce. Yep. You know, yep. that that was that was cutting edge, man. Yeah, it was. And it it doesn't look that date. Like I, I obviously yes, of course, it's not going to look like a 4K new game, right? But but it holds up. Like it doesn't look super dated to me. Um, it just, I mean, that's the benefit of, it is just three triangles, like (laughs) simple designs hold up better. Right. Um, it just, but everything is the game. Yeah. The game as a whole is like pretty simple color palette, like, but it's bright and vibrant. It is, you know, it's, but I think that's what leads to it holding up so well. Right. Like it ages. And it's really cool how the dark world has like a very distinct color palette. Mm -hmm. It's still colorful, but it still conveys to you like this is the dark world. Right. Yep. Yeah. You're not going to be confused at any point (laughs) in the game. Right. Exactly. Um, And yet, I mean, just the light, the use of light and shadows like this is, I mean, this is pretty early, uh, you know, within within the Super Nintendo lifespan, and it already is showing off what the Super Nintendo could do compared to the original NES, right? And 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 oh, um, yeah. you know, I was talking about the the sound in the in the Lost Forest, but man, you go in there and you see shadows and stuff like that, and the light is shining down, and it's it's not you can't it's darker, right? Because light would not penetrate through the through the trees. And so you get shadow effects as, at peaks of the sunshine shining through. I mean, this is, this is early super Nintendo. This is impressive stuff still today because there was plenty of games later on in the super Nintendo's life uh, lifespan that still couldn't hit some of the stuff that was being done in this game. I mean, it's, it's that Nintendo magic. They, they know how to get the best out of their hardware. Um, but even water movements, there was just, everything was, everything moved. Everything had 
you know, that the appropriate animations, um, when you're hitting the, when you're hitting into that stump of a tree and the leaves go flying, um, I mean, just, um, the way the, like I said, the water moves when you're, when you're in the Zora's domain, but even, even elsewhere in the game, you get, uh, water moving is, you know, just, just slight. It's, it's very simple, but it, but it conveys movement when you're walking through the water, uh, when you're swimming in the water. Um, it just, it doesn't, every time I play it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really good. For sure. Um, I think I also threw in a section here for some, some nice fun facts and it looks like you've added to that (laughs) as well, but we've kind of already hit on the, this being the first time that we kind of get properly introduced to the master sword, uh, I mean, the idea dates back to the, you know, the original game of there being kind of a, the, the main sword, but this is the first time where they give it this name and it has, uh, this scene that we're used to in later games where, where Link is finding the master sword and, and withdrawing it from what it's in. Uh, but the other one, uh, that I mentioned here is the, the cuckoos. It's the first time you get the chickens in, in Zelda games that would go, you know, go on to be in pretty much every Zelda game afterwards in some capacity. They're very friendly uh, until you start hitting them. <laughs> then they fight right. back. You can get, you can well, get it's, them it's funny that they knew that somebody would think to, <laughs> to attack the chickens in the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> enough that they, yeah, that they would add in, you do it enough and you'll get a swarm of them and they, they'll, they'll get you. <laughs> oh yeah. You can't, I mean, I, I don't remember doing it as much in this game, but man, when Ocarina of Time came out and like you would it, like, you know, we would just hang out and, and try to f- fight off the cuckoos for the whole game. Uh, it was kind of a fun little thing that they've added to it. Uh, you've also thrown in here that this is kind of the first, the beginning of uh, having a sleeping link at the beginning of the game, like how it starts. Yeah. Uh, can be done several times and by other over. games too right yep and by other games yep uh lots of glitches in this game yeah so helpful. yeah so this game it, it's um while it is a technical marvel <laughs> that it does as well as it does um uh, especially with you know all these years later the amount of glitches that have been found in this game and not just ones where you can just skip basically to the end of the game but um uh just just weird stuff that you can do to just yeah clip through things and and everything else but also um you know you can like skip whole sections of different dungeons by you know, standing in the right place and getting knocked into the giant vases and whatever they're called. I don't even know what they're called, but, you know, and things like that to break the game. A lot of that, though, was they were able to fix before they brought the game out of Japan. Um, but there is still a couple of, of cool ones. Um, you can actually do something called bomb jumping, which will allow you to uh, traverse sections of like the ice palace and other things by getting over gaps in the ground um, that would be blocked off uh, otherwise by use of a bomb and getting like basically thrown over to the other side of the gap. 
Um, and, and that can still be done in the, in the vanilla version of our, of the game. I prefer to now. think of it as improvised rocketry. Well, there you go. <laughs> it could be. Yes. Um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, you can actually, you are invincible as long as you have your hook shot, like is released. Um, so actually a lot of people will fight Ganon by, um, it, with the use of the hookshot, not because you can hurt him with the hookshot, but because you just uh, send your hookshot out and you're actually, there's, you get um, time where you're invincible <laughs> and can't be hurt by him. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's kind of a cool thing to see. Um, I And then the last thing I kind of put in here, fun fact, was the Houlihan room. And I don't know if either of you are familiar with the Houlihan room. But the uh, Houlihan Room was was named after I think his name was Chris Houlihan, and he was a winner of a contest uh, in Nintendo Power. And so you can basically glitch the game. You got to have Link something to do with the Y axis in the game, and then fall down into a into a hole. Um, and it really does. I don't think it matters which hole. There are certain ones that are easier to make this happen. Uh, I think there's a spot by the river. And um, and one uh, one of the tombstones, but if you if you get Link off his Y axis just right and then drop down the hole, you will enter into like a debug type space or whatever. It's it's just a room with tons of blue rupees in it and a little plaque that you can read that that basically says, "Hey, this is uh, this is my this is Chris Houlihan. This is my room or something like that." Um, for winning the contest so yeah and it can be accessed you, you just got to find out how to do it so yep you can give Might you have to try to do this stuff yeah yeah it's just kind of a fun thing to do all right i think we've uh i think we've done it we've we've talked about a link to the past um we'll move into the outro and i'll give you guys a chance to if you can think of anything that we haven't discussed and then also a uh, platform to promote anything that you've got going on. Sam, you can go first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on RetroLogix, so uh, you probably know where to find that. <laughs> uh, you know our website. All the stuff's there. So um, there's also my YouTube channel, um, Streaming Battle Network. So that's Third Strongest Mole on YouTube. Uh, Mondays at around 7.30 Eastern. Okay. Shannon? Yeah, so uh, as far as last words go, um, nobody will ever convince me that this isn't the greatest game of all time. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, you can try, um, but uh, it, it's always going to be, it just holds that place in my heart. And, um, you know, I, I really do think it's it's pretty much a perfect game. Um, everything about it is great. Um, it's got a huge following, of course. Um, so I know I'm not, 
alone in, in feeling this uh, feeling this way. Um, it is a big thing. I've kind of mentioned randomizers um, a little bit. So this is the game that really um, got really kind of um, brought randomizing as a as a way of playing a game um, put on the map, so to speak, um, and probably the biggest community. Um, it basically, what that is is you basically take a ROM and you send it through the randomizer and it'll spit you back a randomized version of the game where the items are all in different spots or um, you know sometimes the doors lead to the wrong areas and everything else and there's still a logic to it you just got to figure out what the logic is um, and so there's it's kind of fun um, so even if you don't play it it's fun to watch you find that a lot on YouTube and, and Twitch and stuff um, it's a uh random logic instead of retro yeah there you go random logic yes exactly (laughs) um and that's always fun especially not possible right right (laughs) um and it's uh it's fun to kind of watch especially races uh, randomizer races where you got a couple people who are taking the both you know blind blind runs at these randomized versions of the game they've taken out like all the all the talking and you know that kind of stuff so that it's pretty quick um, and they use a lot of the glitches that I talked about, um, so they can finish the game in a fraction of the time it would take you otherwise. Um, anyway, I could be found uh, on on the Discord, Spider Shan. Um, I do have uh, a a, um, a Twitch uh, um, page. Jeez, I can't talk all of a sudden. Um, I do have Twitch. I I haven't been on there a whole lot lately. I still need to get on and finish Final Fantasy Adventure. Um, but uh, I do have a YouTube as well. I just um, usually just put the stuff from Twitch over there. Except for I have played a couple of um, a couple of videos about Mario Wonder on there, mostly for my nephews who think it's the ultimate coolness that their uncle has a YouTube page. Um, so it was mostly for them, but you can find my stuff on there as well. And uh, then I, um, I do a lot of first looks for the Nintendo dads as well. So I'm around and then I'll always be here to talk sure. about Zelda. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got you on, under contract for at least right. like another year. So. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, since I kind of got out of turn with the last Retro Rewind game, uh, we're actually going to do back-to-back Zelda shows. Uh, so in two weeks, uh, we'll be doing well, roughly, it won't even be two whole weeks. It'll be, I think, uh, like 12 days between <laughs> Zelda episodes. Uh, we're going to hop right into Link's Awakening, and uh, I'll put together the, the crew that will be doing that show. Uh, Shannon will be there for sure, uh, but we'll have to see who else uh, joins us for that. And then uh, following that, we'll we'll get to the uh, the Blaster Master episode. So kind of got things reversed a little bit, but we'll get back to how it's how it's supposed to be and back on schedule. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening on Topic Retro, part of the Retro Logic family of podcast. If you would like to send in your personal experiences for the next show, but you're not on our Discord, uh, you can send them to ontopicretro at gmail.com. 
Uh, if you haven't joined our wonder wonderful non-toxic Retrologic Discord and you would like to, you can visit retrologic.games uh, for details on how to join for free there. Uh, also, you can find uh, links to all the other podcasts in our network, and you can also find the blog that uh, the chief editor Mole runs over there. That's what I've deemed you as uh, for now on. If you say so. <laughs> he, he puts the blog together, so that's that's his role. Um, but there's just all kinds of stuff there, podcasts and, and everything. Uh, that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for more, and we'll see you guys later. Bye now. Goodbye. Bye.